Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jonathan Harvey, and I'm your host on the Modern Conservative Podcast here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I want to wish everybody a happy new year, and I hope you have a fa- had a fantastic Christmas, so forth and so on. But we are in a new year now, and there is hell to pay. And uh, we just might be paying that hell. Um, today, I have a couple of guests on that I want to welcome to my show. We have, first of all, his name is Chris Knowles. He's a Salt Lake City County GOP chair. And Shannon McKinnis, is that right, Shannon? I didn't mean to butcher it. Oh, you actually had it perfect. That's a okay. good Schneider. And I want to welcome you both to the show. I mean, we're short on time today, but I want to get into it. Um, Shan- Chris, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris? Sure. Yeah. So I'm the Salt Lake County uh, Republican chair, like you like you said. Uh, I've been in this role for about eight months, uh, maybe nine months at this point. I've uh, been uh, just working hard to, to try to promote uh, our conservative values and, uh, you know, here to here to make sure that we uh, get some uh, some good conservatives elected people who, who do what they say they're going to do. So now, is that hard to do? <laughs> it is very hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, I love you ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Shannon? Who are you to us? Yeah, um, I will try to keep it short and sweet. Work on a lot of different things out here, but. Um, work on Capitol Hill alongside legislators, focusing on getting good bills passed and ones that are not good, um, maybe out and uh, work a lot hugely um, in the activist community, focusing on things like Chris mentioned, um, as well as the importance of the Constitution, public awareness um, and working a lot with other large leaders out here in Utah that are focused on the same things and, and trying to grow our movement. Sweet. Uh, for my audience, you know, lately I've been out, of, you know. MIA past few weeks because I've been busy, but I'm actually going to start reposting all the new episodes and upcoming episodes and letting you guys know who's going to be on the show. I'm going to be booked out for the next probably two months. So please stay tuned. Um, so let's get to cut the chase. Let's cut straight to it. We're here about one of the initiatives or actually one of the um, Joe Biden's uh, let's call it what is BS um, <laughs> mandates. Um, here in Utah, we're having a problem right now. And Shannon and Chris, I'll tell you, my audience know me. I'm straightforward. And I don't like Spencer Cox. It's widely known. And uh, here we are speaking of a situation that he can actually cure. And Chris, could you speak on what that uh, problem may be here in Utah? Yeah, so I've been contacted by a number of, of National Guard members, and they're very concerned because uh, as of December 31st, they are under um, a threat of dishonorable, di- or not sorry, not dishonorable, but a discharge mm-hmm. uh, mandate. And mm-hmm. what, and that's because they have chosen, for whatever reason, religious, medical, personal, they have chosen to not receive uh, the vaccine. And so the because of the Biden administration's uh, requirement of, of receiving the vaccine for the military, um, the uh, they they're in this position. And but if you understand how the National Guard, the Utah National Guard works, and I want to talk specifically about them, they are under the governor. They're not actually under the president at this time. The only time they, they are under the order of the president is when we're at war. They're called to called to uh, serve uh, across, you know, in, in a different land. Right. Right. Right now, the governor can say no. The governor is, is allowed to speak up and say no. And so I, I have asked, I've called on the governor to do that. I've called on him to say that the mandate uh, he's not going to have uh, members discharged for this man uh, due to this mandate um, because Let's be honest. These are the guys, uh, guys and gals (laughs) who uh, in the middle of the night, they're the ones out there throwing sandbags to protect our houses, our neighborhoods, uh, critical infrastructure. They're the ones who um, are out there doing the things that, you know, we're either unable or unwilling to do for ourselves to protect us. Um, They put their lives on the line. They um, these are these are military for for all intent purposes. They are they are um, service members who are protecting our um, rights, our liberties. And the least we can do is 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 do the same for them is protect them Um, They're without. You know, if if the governor goes ahead and chooses to um, let them be discharged, they'll not only lose their jobs, their livelihood, but a lot of them will lose their retirement. They'll lose their ability to pay back um, 
uh, debt. Uh, so things like their, um, their school debts, they also, um, will lose the ability to, um, well, it's hard to get a job when you've been discharged. Let's just be honest. Right. And so, um, there's just a lot of problems with this and, and there's a, they have a lot of good reasons to, to, uh, be skeptical, right? I'm not, I'm not exactly. an anti but let's, let's be honest. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of confusion. There's, we've been, we've been given a lot of, um, information that just isn't true anyway. So that, so my, my call to the governor is to please, you know, consider the national guard as, as, you know, individuals, people who've stood up for us, it's time to stand up for them. You know, now, have you heard any chatter back from Capitol? Very little. Not very little. No public, Uh, no public addressing this at all. Um, very little. He's he's made some comments here and there about um, choosing to take the lead from from the uh, uh, from Washington, from the Pentagon. Um, I, you know, he can do that. Uh, but, you know, if, if I'm if I'm commander in chief of, of my National Guard, I'm going to make my own decision. And I, I hope that I hope that he considers that these are the people local that are going to lose jobs. We're at, by the way, we're not talking about, you know, 50 or 100. We're talking about 3,600 uh, mm-hmm. members of the National Guard wow. here in Utah. Yeah, wow, that's pretty that's significant. That's a lot of people. That's a yeah. lot of soldiers. Yep. Right, and Shannon. you know what? There is a very, very common misconception. So, Chris, I think you made a very, very good point with that, is even some legislators don't understand that the federal government, Biden, is not the commander in chief. In fact, he's directly violating the U.S. Constitution's Second Amendment militia clause by undermining the commander in chief and that authority. And so, like you said, I think it's just a matter of educating people um, out there that we have the authority in our hands. And it's really just on Governor Cox's lap. Now, I will tell you, there have been private conversations that I've had not only with specific leaders on Capitol Hill and just other large groups, um, but there there should be a really big call to action. And I know I talked about this a little bit earlier um, and I'm going to be working on that is Salt Lake County. Um, Chris, you did, you did a really good job on, on kind of heading this up and, and trying to, you know, do a call to help to, to Cox and, and help these men and women in our national guard. Um, why haven't other party chairs done the same. We should be united. This should be a no brainer. Protecting our, our servicemen and women should not be something that you should be afraid to put your name on or hesitate to jump in on. Now, if it's simply just a lack of understanding on what's going on, or you're just not even watching what's going on, you know, that's one thing and that can be addressed. Um, but this should be covered by every single chair in every single county, um, no questions asked. And the fact that, that people haven't taken the initiative in other counties um, like this should really be addressed and should be discussed because we do need to unite um, for a good cause like this. You know, my take on a lot of this and the silence from the other GOP chairs are simply there's a lot of people in this state that truly believe that we all should be vaccinated. And some of them are Republicans and some of them have the mentality that, you know what, if you don't get vaccinated, you should lose your job. Yeah, they do. You should be like the rest yep. of us. I, I get they do, they yeah, do I get, have that mentality. Yeah. But here's the thing I will say to those people, and I'm not going to judge them based on how they view the vaccine. This is not a debate or a discussion about whether the vaccine is effective or not, because everybody's going to have a different opinion. This is not a left or a right or a Republican or a Democrat discussion. This discussion is about the freedom of choice. This discussion is about things like Utah Code, Chapter 1, Section 33, Individual Rights Protected, which literally and physically states word for word, Nothing in this title shall prohibit an individual from choosing the diet, therapy, or mode of treatment to be administered to an individual or an individual family. Utah HB 308, this bill prohibits government entities from requiring that an individual receive a vaccine for COVID-19. So, you know, I don't... I. I don't care if you think that people have to be vaccinated because you feel it's strong and and effective or not, but this is about freedom of choice. And this is really what about America should be about freedom of choice. Can I adjust what you just said there? A a lot of people um, have been reaching out to me uh, through email. I shouldn't say a lot. I've gotten maybe 10 to 15 emails uh, um, who are opposed to what I'm saying. And the, the common thread is, that, well, when they sign their name to be a National Guards person, 
uh, guardsmen, um, they lose that right. And, and that is absolutely not true. Our rights yeah. are our rights. <laughs> and, right. um, I, I'm, I want to take that a step further. Now, the mil- the U.S. military, they get medical benefits. So if something goes wrong when, when they receive that vaccine or if they, um, you know, whatever happens, right, they're taken care of. You know, that's not true for Utah National Guard. So here we are, we're, we're forcing them to take a vaccine that they are uncomfortable with. And some of them I've ha- had tell me specifically because they've had problems with vaccines in the past. Um, if they take that vaccine because they're mandated to just to keep their job and they are, they are injured, guess what? There's nothing there to help them. Um, th- this, is, this is just unconscionable. And we need to stand up for them and, and help them. Uh, well, we need to stand up for them and, and ask that, um, that they not lose their, their jobs, they not be dis- discharged for, for this reason. Um, I, I also think it's really important that we understand that, um, you know, if it's really about medical readiness, if, if that's really what it's about, um, because it's going to uh, make the, the military weaker, well, there's been 82 deaths across the nation within the military, 82 from COVID. Okay. Now in 2021, just the second quarter of 2021, 838 deaths uh, due to suicide, Um, alcohol related deaths in 2018. um, There was, sorry, I've just, I just had in front of me. um, Well, I have to get back to them, but that one was significant. Um, There's, I mean, just, Car accidents, there was 82, uh, or I'm sorry, 87. Um, you know, obesity, DOD spends $1.5 billion annually in obesity-related health care costs. I mean, if, if this is really about medical readiness, and we've only lost 82 people to COVID, I think that there's more serious issues on the line here, you know, th- that we could be helping with. This, this, is, this seems to be more about a political issue, to be perfectly honest. Um, I completely I completely agree with you. It's all about politics, um, because um, for some reason, once again, I mean, Shannon says she doesn't like to judge people. Well, I judge them when they're trying to make me do something that I don't want to do that's protected, which is one of my inalienable rights. I do judge you. I call you a bigot, a racist, not American, and you don't believe in free agency and freedom in this country. That's the way I call them, Shannon. That's just me, because, you know, I'll call a spade a spade. You know, I will call you call people out and Cox. I've been having problems with Cox in other areas. So I do not understand how this man can sit in this office and not understand this issue that we have as patriots, former military. And so forth and so on. Um, I think my personal take on a lot of this stuff, when you mentioned, Chris, that is political, it, it is absolutely political. I have spoke to leaders as, my, as well, and I point blank ask, I said, what are you guys going to do about it? And the response mm-hmm. I had, we're trying. We're trying. As a matter of fact, they told me point blank, he has the power to rescind this or even counter the Biden's mandate because he actually is in charge of the National Guard because they're actually part of the state, not part of the right. federal government. Mm-hmm. So we. So the, the issue is, is it is political. I do agree with that, but it shouldn't be. So right, Chris, right. to your mentality of, of the people that were talking um, and emailing and reaching out to you saying, well, they're a National Guard service member. They basically sign over their right to be, being a human being, essentially, which I also disagree with. I just never understood the line of thinking. So if they're a National Guard member and they need a medical exemption, or a religious exemption. What gives them less of a right when they're serving our country than anybody else? And you know exactly. what? I, I've got my own issue with, with Cox as well, John. Um, <laughs> you've probably seen some of the yeah, I, some of the quote-unquote projects and petitions <laughs> that I've been working on on, on unrelated topics um, to this. So you and I both know that's pretty clear. But we have to get to a place as a country where the people that are making this political because it is political say, you know what, this, this does not just benefit the right or the left or Republicans or Democrats or liberals or moderates freedom of choice. And I've always asked every, every liberal I've ever had this discussion with, they say, Oh, you're just a Trump supporter or you're just this. And right. <laughs> you, you just hate the vaccines because, because that's what your red party tells you to do. I always say, you know what, how would you feel if Biden issued a mandate tomorrow that said, 
you are not allowed to take the vaccine. In fact, you know what? They changed their mind. We're just going to hold the data for 55 to 75 years, and maybe we should take it off the shelves. And we don't really have a vaccine for COVID anymore, so good luck, good luck, sister. And Mm -hmm. they'd be like, if somebody told me I couldn't take a medicine, I'd lose my mind. And I'm like, okay, that's called empathy. So put yourself in in the opposite. Now, would you like that freedom of choice to choose whether you actually follow through or not? And every single answer, regardless of the side of the aisle politically you're on, is always yes, I would like the freedom to choose for my health and medical decisions. And, you know, most of these people, you know, if there was a war to break out in Utah, you know, you know, they're not going to ask the soldiers, are you vaccinated? No, <laughs> they're not no, going to ask him, no, are you not. vaccinated? So they need to quit <laughs> fooling themselves and quit pretending that you really care. You mean, I've learned something in 2021 and now coming up on 22. Fear is control and power for a lot of people in this country. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're it playing is. on everybody's fear. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've got to say something. You, you both have, have called out Governor Cox. I am calling on Governor Cox. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think he has a tough job. I don't always agree with him, but that doesn't mean I don't support him. And and so I'm just, you know, I'm not uh, I, I, sure. I, I definitely want him to step up. I definitely want him to make it a stronger stand. Um, but, you know, he's got a tough job. Um, and, and back to what you were just saying with, um, you know, the medical readiness, you're saying, um, you know, they're going to call, they're going to call on them anyway. Right. Even if they're not vaccinated. Exactly. Or I, I, I just want to make a point, you know, there are, and I can't give details because I don't want to divulge uh, anonymity of, of some of the national guardsmen that I've been speaking with, but, um, they're within some of their own, um, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm not military, so I can't remember the term, but within their own group, right. Their squadron, own, their own squadron. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Um, they actually have uh, one of them was telling me that they have about 23 current uh, COVID um, outbreak or, or uh, breakthrough cases. Breakthrough meaning these are the vaccinated people, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many who are who are vaccinated, whoever who are uh, being you know that have breakthrough case. How is that different than the people who aren't vaccinated? Um, did you know that at this moment, uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin actually has COVID as well? Yep. Um, so. Is this really about readiness? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, they only require, te- so those who are, are not vaccinated are required to be tested. I believe it's on a weekly basis. You know, they don't require testing of the non-vac or of the vaccinated. So if you're vaccinated and you have a breakthrough case, nobody, you know, you, nobody uh, knows about it, right? And unless, unless you, you're sick and you're, and you've been tested, but that's, that's not happening on a regular basis. Imagine um, requiring all of the LGBTQ uh, group, uh, you know, or, or people who are part of that uh, group to be vaccinated or I'm sorry, to be tested for some kind of sexual disease, because we all think that they are more likely to have, you know, uh, contract contract sexual diseases. Imagine the outcry for, for making that kind of a claim. This is the same kind of thing. We're segregating our, our people. We're segregating our, you know, uh, our citizens into these different classes, vaccinated and unclassified uh, and um, unvaccinated. And it, it's the same thing. It's it's not affecting anybody by by doing this. It's it's merely just for scare. And it's you know, it's political, just like we've been saying. And so I, it's time to time to step up and say no more. You know, so- far, sorry, go ahead, Shannon. No, John, you and I, th- that reminds me of a discussion that you and I had. I mean, it was probably a few weeks to a month ago, and, and we were just talking about um, any form of discrimination, whether it is based on race, um, marital status, sexual preferences, um, vaccination status. There's just no justification for discrimination across the board. Nope. And, um, <laughs> you know, and it's a really scary thought, um, and it really just kind of spins off that topic. It is a really scary thought because, Chris, what you just said is exactly a form of discrimination. How Mm -hmm. would I mean, can you imagine what the left or, you know, what? not even the left, 99 percent of Americans would react if if the LGBTQ example that you just gave. Or I mean, this country would erupt riots. It would just be crazy. And, you know, I wouldn't blame them because that's insane. You shouldn't discriminate like that. But. What's even and I would defend them that? too. Yes, <laughs> so would I. It's called First Amendment, exactly. Yep. Um, but you know what's even scarier of a thought beyond that is when the government decides that they can literally make your health and medical decisions for you on one issue, you're done. 
Right. When in the world did it become that the government can tell you what to take? When and, and by the way, most people that have common sense do understand the importance of that your medical decisions as an individual or as a patient um, go through a licensed medical doctor. And it's between the two and they're held confidential for a reason. It's under HIPAA. So we're changing so rapidly. But once they once they determine stuff like this on one vaccine, there we go. We're going downhill on the rest and we're going to wind up in a different country if we don't fix it. Yeah, Yeah, you you make a good point. How sustainable is it to say that every every uh, military member and and by the way, I, I I would support every military member. There's at this point, there's uh, somewhere around 60,000 uh, service members, you know, uh, U.S. military and National Guard who are at risk of being discharged. Um, you know, this this topic right at the moment is specifically about Utah National Guard. But imagine losing 60,000 service members across the United States. That's insane. And think about the sustainability of this mandate. You're no longer considered vaccinated unless you've received all the boosters. So every yeah. six months, all of these service members have to be boost, have to receive the the booster. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Um, the, the 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 weight or you know the the demand being put on them. It's just un- I, I can't even believe that we're we're considering this as a as a reality. And you know, someone I was debating somebody yesterday at the coffee shop. He was a liberal. I go when I go have coffee in the morning. I sit down with a bunch of older people. I'm the I'm 55 and I'm the youngest by eight years, and uh, and there's about a dozen of us. So the liberal sits down at the table, and he says to me, "I don't like the fact that the unvaccinated will not get vaccinated." And I said to him, "That's all right." He says, before I even go any further in the conversation, that's my right because i was specifically speaking of myself and now everybody at the table some of those guys some of the older people are vaccinated they're all over 65 they're all vaccinated but they're like me the problem isn't the vaccine excuse me let me back up the problem isn't getting vaccinated the problem is getting vaccinated one because you tell me to two Mm -hmm. is because you want me to put something in our bodies that we know nothing about. Well, mm-hmm. all these years we've had, you know, control studies when it comes to medication, when, when it comes to pharmaceuticals, the FDA. So why is it all of a sudden this year, the past two years, that's all gone out the door. So when you use common sense, like a lot of the people like myself and people that are not vaccinated, we use our common sense. And we have a right to still use our common sense in the United States. Yes. And you know what? I was talking, I was having a conversation with um, a really dear and near friend of mine um, the other day about this. And we were just discussing that we have, it's our turn to step up. And when I say it's our turn to stand up and step up, our military and our National Guard, they're they're always the ones, like Chris said, putting the the sandbags down in the ditches and, and saving our butts, essentially. Um, but I was talking to somebody who has a really good, uh, relationship with the commander in chief of the national guard out here, specifically in Utah. And he was just sharing some information with him about what's going on behind the scenes, how the national guard and the leaders in the national guard are responding. How, how is the morale and how are people reacting? And they're losing a lot of really good top level servicemen and women and flat out just said, you know what? We, we feel discouraged. We feel like nobody is, we have no control. It's either we do exactly what they tell us, or we have to walk out and be discharged and our futures are, are at risk. Kind of like Chris was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad to see and hear that. And, and that's not just one commander in chief. I mean, these are people that connect and talk all the time across the country and in different areas. It's not just one person. This is a consistent thing across the board. And so really um, just being conscious of time, we have about like 30 minutes or so, but I want to focus on calls to action. And guess what? Guess whose turn it is to step up for our national guard. It's not theirs right now. It's ours. And so Chris, I'm warning you, not warning you, but you know how I am. I will be talking to other chairs. I wanted to get this, um, out there as far as like public knowledge first, but I will be talking to other chairs and there's already discussions of people, not me, 
but people, their own, their own people, their own delegates. I know those are changing coming March and convention and, or I think it actually might be April, um, but um, their own SEC members and, and their own people in their own counties that are already talking about starting petitions against their own chairs. We're not against, I shouldn't say that, but please, please, we want your help. We need you to step up and protect our national guard. And we're not just talking one County. And then from there, right. we can combine signatures. I'm telling you, there is going to be a whole wave of this. But Chris, why don't we talk about what you've done with other chairs, your attempts, and how we can first, before it gets to that level, invite participation and how we can really all unite. Yeah, so, okay. So I do want to make it clear that, you know, I did ask some of the other chairs to, to kind of step up with me and, and um, do kind of a similar letter to the governor. Um, some of them were chose to reach to share my letter uh with their constituents with their um counties and and that's great i appreciate that um the state did the same thing uh the state chair did the same thing um and so i i do appreciate that and we and by the way i said i get you know 10 or 15 you know hate mails um i i got a whole lot more than that supporting what i did by the way over a thousand in the first couple of days um and it just keeps growing so um my my efforts right now um, are focused on um, getting more of the um, individual uh, members' stories out there, and we have to be super careful. Um, they have to remain anonymous because um, you know I, I don't want, you don't you know why you understand yeah why. exactly. Um, but, but I think it's important that, that we, you know, write letters to the governor. Uh, we write letters to, um, our elected officials, to our legislators. Um, I think it's important that, you know, talk, you know, call on your, on your, uh, county chair. Um, I think most of them do support this. Um, I wish they had supported a little bit stronger. I feel very, um, you know, I, I feel like this is something that's, that's incredibly important, um, in the state of Utah. So, yeah, I, I think that, I feel called to do this, to be perfectly honest with you. And um, so I hope others do step up. I hope they, they understand uh, what's, at, what's at stake here. Um, we, we can put a stop to this. Um, I don't know. I, I just I hope that more people understand the gravity of this situation. I simply, you know, let me ask you a question, Chris. You say you spoke to other county chairs. Yeah. Would you say the majority of the ones that you actually spoke to are for what we're trying to get done? Or are they just neutral? Basically, say, yeah, it's the governor's decision. It, it was very mixed, very mixed. Um, I, there was a number that there was some that were very supportive. Um, I'll say uh, uh, Chris Booth um, and, uh, was was very supportive. Um, uh, our state chair uh, Carson Jordan was supportive. Um, but I, I did get a, a lot of pushback from others as well. Um, I won't call them out. Like I said, I'm trying to unite the party, not, not separate. It's fun that you mentioned Carson because he's a buddy of mine. Yeah, we just I talked like today about it. And uh, we're all on the same, we're all on the same track. Now, this is my only issue. When, when individuals that are in position of powers, power, do absolutely nothing. I personally believe this is just me speaking. The only way you can affect the change is you call them out because as long as no, they can stay in the dark. It's like a cockroach. Cockroaches do great in the dark. But the <laughs> minute you turn the lights on, they scatter. This is how I look at some of these politicians. The only way we, my audience know the, how I am. Yeah. Call them out. Put them on the mat. The, as long as they feel like so I'm protected, they're going to keep doing this crap. Yeah. You know, the, the way the way that I think we call them out is, hey, we've got we've got the caucus coming up uh, March 8th. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to needs to go to caucus, uh, try to become a delegate or, or, or volunteer in some way to the, with the party. Um, and then it's time that as a party, we, we step up and we vote our conscience. We vote for people that we know are defending our freedoms, um, and we vote for people who will do exactly what our party platform says and defend um, our, our military just like they defend us. And yeah, so, but sometime, though, before the caucus is here, you have to do damage control. Sometimes the damage is letting people know who's causing a lot of the damage. Now, I'm like I said, I'm very vocal about some things I truly believe in, and I believe in the – I mean, I'm a conservative. 
And I've always said that the GOP, and I, I've said in front of the Senate, Senate yesterday or Tuesday, the thing is we need people to call people out because a lot of things are done in the dark and these people keep getting reelected over and over and over again. There yes. was a, there is a high ranking Senator in this state right now. And they asked me, he says, John, so when are you running? I said, you wouldn't like <laughs> when me are you if running? I'm running. I said, you wouldn't like me if I'm running. I said, cause every time you guys do something wrong, the people will know about it. Yeah. I'm not going to hide things in the dark. It won't work that way. That's business as usual. Yep. Yeah. I think a, a good way, and in my opinion, um, and this is maybe a different way, but I, I think it's good to give them a chance first. And here's why. Noting the caucus system is coming up on the 8th. John, I agree. People do, do need to be called out. But the way I think the most beneficial and effective way to do that is, for example, if I personally called you know, all the county chairs and said, you know what? There's a lot of movement on this. There's a lot of petitions going on. And caucuses coming up. Things are being exposed about this. This is important. Here's why I would just like to almost like a news reporter would, I would just like to collect a statement from you on what your feelings are about this and what you're planning to either do or not do about it. And why that way, when the public um, continues with this petition and people are kind of getting more educated on this process, knowing we are approaching caucus pretty soon. And this is a pretty important issue, gaining a lot of ground. I'd like to represent why you are or not doing anything about it in the first place. And we'll go from there. But right now, do we have that kind of time for March 8th? I think if it's simply a statement from them. And it's not that hard. I can get a committee and a team of people. <clears throat> I'll, I'll probably be the one to call the GOP chairs and just get a simple statement on where they stand okay. and why or why not. Yeah. And I'm then with be you. exposed. I'm with you. I'm with you. I will expose every single damn one of them. Doesn't hurt yeah. my feelings. If you're not doing your job, I'm not, not going to make your job cake to sit in that chair. You yep. be and, as- then, and then once we get statements, we assign a, we assign uh, a one person for each county to start a petition directly for that. Exactly. Let me let me uh, let me play a little bit of devil's advocate. Um, and, and I'm I'm very careful about this. Um, I, I won't call <laughs> out uh, Republican politicians. <laughs> and, and this is why. As the chair. Right. Uh, my role is is to get more Republicans elected um, who are obviously followers of the platform. Right. Um, And actually, it even says in our bylaws uh, that I am not going I'm not to take sides. I'm not I'm not supposed to I'm supposed to be neutral. Okay, so as chair, if if I take if I take a stance against another Republican, um, I mean, technically, if if enough people, if I anger enough people that way, I could be removed. My real role when you talked about what, what is our job, my real role is to provide the structure for the delegates to do what you just said. It, it's the delegates who are representing the neighborhoods. And so it, they are the ones who really should be calling them out. Now, I'm facilitating this. I'm, I'm calling on Governor Cox and reminding him and, and everyone around him that he has this, this ability. Um, so, you know, I, I, I hope you understand it's, it's a oh, little different do. approach. What's I that? Do. Okay. I do. I complete, oh, no, no, no. I completely understand your situation. You're in kind of what I call a conundrum, but I understand that. But yeah. the thing is, You know, I've been very vocal about, and I make, and I don't hide it from people. I want to effect a change. Now, people often say, why don't you run for politics? I said, you know what? I've done, you know, I don't want to do politics. I really don't. I do like effecting a change. I do like holding people accountable to Mm -hmm. their word that they give us when they run for office, you know? And so- I just don't. That's your role. That's that's your role as a citizen. And if you're a delegate, that's your role as a delegate. But yeah. So, so Chris, it. really quick, because you're right. The delegate should be taking more of an active role on this. And, you know, some counties do have delegates that are already taking an active role on this. Um, mm-hmm. But noting the change in delegates coming up here pretty quickly and how many are going to remain. What are your thoughts on how that would affect that? Oh, I think I think we're going to hear um, a, a roar. I, I believe. I can't believe how many people are calling and emailing and texting, um, asking how they can help, how they can they can change things. And I think we're going to I'm going to call it the, the the 2022 roar because the delegates are going to be strong. Um, I think the citizens are are upset. They're mad. Um, you know, I think the I think that we're going to see um, some significant change. And I and I think it's appropriate. You know, it, it's yep. time. 
and yeah, and is. they are the ones who should be speaking out. And I and I hope they do. I hope I hope they send emails. I hope they they elect they nominate and elect the the correct um, candidates for for the roles that that we are going to be open in twenty twenty two. And um, I, I look forward to it. To be perfectly yep. honest. Well, and it's not even just delegates are definitely an important key factor there. Um, but I do want to point out that. Um, John, I think you had a um, a really good meeting from what, you know, you and I had a brief conversation on before the call and, you know, what I've heard from other members as well. Um, but I think a lot of these people forget that not only um, do we have a lot of support from delegates in certain key, key areas, but there's a lot of events going on and a lot of really good representation from people like constituents and voters in their own counties that do have a lot of influence. So um, like, for example, when we have events and hundreds and hundreds and sometimes thousands upon the event, these are the kind of discussions that are being had across the board. These are the kinds of things that we are educating the public on, on certain key issues like this to help enable them and empower them to have that knowledge and where to go for resources on where to see who, who runs what district and who's their chair for what county and People are actually, I don't, I don't know that everybody understands how much more empowered and educated the public is on this. And, and the ones that hide in the dark are going to be pretty sorely um, surprised when they figure that out during midterms or the caucus this year, um, what have you. Um, but for example, we've got um, an event coming up, Chris, I can, I actually want you to talk about yours in a second, um, the Lincoln Day Dinner. But the next day, we've got another big event called Turning the Tide. And we will be discussing things like this on a panel that I'll be moderating. Um, several other events are happening thereafter. There are other large Patriot Group leaders and conservatives um, that really can make an impact on Capitol Hill and um, do a lot of good. And so it's not even just a delegate thing, although th- those are critical things. I just hope that every county chair and every elected official understands, and a lot of them do that I work with on Capitol Hill, but those that hide in the dark that don't, um, I, I just hope that they, 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 before it's too late for them, understand that concept. And there's lots of masses out here in Utah as conservatives and even moderates um, that are that are really impacting this movement in a positive way. Yeah, uh, I, and I appreciate I, I love supporting organizations um, that are willing to, to put together these these events um, to kind of get people talking and understanding what's going on. So I, I fully support those those types of events. Um, and like you said, we are having our, um, it, this is a fundraiser. It's called the Lincoln Day uh, uh, Dinner, and it's going to be on January 14th. Um, so just less than two weeks away here, actually, uh, yeah, almost almost a week away now. Um, and we're holding it at, it at the aquarium. Um, and, you know, it, it's our, it's the one time a year where the party, the Salt Lake County Party, raises funds to pay for caucus and convention. Um, this is the caucus and, and convention is is your First Amendment right to speak out as a Republican. Um, so we really need people to to step up, um, either either come to the Lincoln Day dinner and uh, help support us or, or donate to the party um, because it's not cheap. You know, we have over 800 precincts in Salt Lake County. Um, each of those precincts have to meet at uh, high schools. We have to pay. We rent those high schools. Um, it's very expensive. Um, on top of that, we're paying for a database um, so that we can, you know, man- manage all of our delegates so we can communicate with them and, you know, so forth, so on and so forth. There's um, and then put on the convention. And all of this is very, very expensive. Uh, but I say it's very, very expensive. It's a far less expensive <laughs> than uh, than, say, the Biden tax. Right. <laughs> it's, it's way less expensive. Uh, than that. If everybody would just donate five. Every member of the party would donate five dollars. Man, we would we would be again, we'd be roaring. It would be awesome. And there's so much we could do. Um, we're just asking for a little bit. And this is one of the events where we do it. So January 14th, um, go to our website, um, slcogop.com. And uh, it's right there, the Lincoln Day Dinner. And I'd love to have that all the seats filled and, and people helping out. So um, now let me ask you something. Um, if we have a few minutes left here, about 15 minutes. So if people want to to get in touch with you or get involved, mm-hmm. how would they do so? 
The best way is right on our website. We've got a form they can fill out, um, you know, the, a volunteer form. Um, and we just last December, uh, we, we put out a few emails and about 60 people popped up and said, hey, you know, hey, we, I want to volunteer. This is fantastic. We're going to start using them um, to, to promote uh, our nominated uh, um, uh, uh, candidates um, so that we can win some seats uh, and get, you know, yes, Utah is a Republic. A lot of people think because Utah is a Republican state that, uh, that, you know, we need some diversity. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got diversity and we don't need any more, um, you know, in, in the, in the house and then the Senate. And when I say diversity, you know, I'm talking about Republicans, Democrats and other, other uh, <laughs> uh, political uh, parties, but we, we really don't need any more. We, what we need is we need a strong state that, that truly stands up for our conservative values. And so we, we need more help. Um, and, uh, you know, go to the website, um, sign up as a volunteer, um, email us, um, info at slcogop.com. Um, what, what we really need is we need everybody, every single voting uh, Republican to show up to our caucus convention. Um, again, caucus is March 8th. And so uh, we'll, we'll, uh, You'll start seeing signs pop up for that, but you know there's there's a lot of ways to help, a lot of ways to step up and and uh, make a difference. Now, is John, that the same? I'm I'm so glad you asked that. Before we move on to the next, because you you had that was such a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to clarify, and and Chris, thank you for answering that uh, on where to go. Um, but when you hear the word volunteer or how to help, I mean those are resources for just about everything. So you don't have to volunteer and go run for mayor. You can volunteer and become a delegate. You can volunteer and not even have to run for anything. You can literally just spend a couple hours a week helping a candidate or on a campaign or with administrative stuff. Or you can volunteer for guidance on how to run for a congressional race or or what have you in your county. There, there are so many committees. There are so many small and big ways that you can help. So I think a lot of people get overwhelmed and be like, I want to volunteer, but I'm just, I've never been in politics and I, I don't know what I'm doing, or I, I feel like I should be at a certain level or not a certain level. No, this is volunteering for any and all levels that fit your strengths and weaknesses. And um, that can be talked about and tailored to, um, to that, to that um, regard. So I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You just you, you said something that I always I often think about when people tell me that they're they don't like to get involved in politics or and I say to them, you may not be active in politics, but you're living politics, whether you right. like it or not, because everything that goes on in politics affects you, your gas prices, your food prices, your salary, yeah. your wages, your taxes. Make no mistake about it. You're the ones they want to screw over because you won't do anything in the fight, but just let it happen to you. And so, so I, and I often tell people that, and it kind of, it's sometimes it wakes them up and they'll realize, you know what, you're exactly right because uh, I have no say so in my life. And that's the way they look at it. And I say, you know, you do have a say so in your life. You just might have to fight to get what you deserve, but you do have, you know, a horse in this race. Now, Shannon, I wanted to ask you now, given that you're going to be doing the fight or going to your county chairs, how do we find out what the status is and, you know, what's really happening with your work? Yeah. So I'm going to be having a Google share document. Um, and I want to invite all of the, the leaders out here. Um, whether it is private organizations, non-for-profit, or other leaders um, in or in out of office that want to get involved in one way, shape, or the other. Um, a Google Share document or an Excel document that we can each update um, just to see live documents and updates for that. And then from there, um, it wouldn't be that hard for me to find a couple of volunteers to manage each county um, that are, now that we've got statements and, and things uploaded, um, now how do we start a petition, Right. How do we do this? And what, what, what template does that look like? We can upload templates to that and then have a weekly conference call with each county combined on, on a phone call talking about how many signatures we've gotten, what donations were received per down to county, um, and then what follow-ups were made as well as um, all of that good stuff, what phone calls were made, how many phone calls were made. Um, and then signatures each day that are coming in and how we're marketing that. So um, it would be a lot for me to cover the whole state, which is why um, I love the fact that I have a lot of people that I know that mm-hmm. can definitely manage um, manage each county and, and very competently and capably. You know, and I can uh, when you when you get a pathway 
for the public to see what's going on and your work, I'll post it on all my social media and I'll run it on the podcast and every podcast. I'll put that link. Um, if you come up with one for the social, the uh, Google doc. Dude, and, I'd appreciate uh, that so much. People can um, see it. That would be amazing. John, you are, you are absolutely amazing in, in your work and what you do. And I, I, I want to clarify, cause I, I can sense where the conversation is going. I want to, and how it might be um, perceived by, other county chairs that may or may not be listening. I, I do want to clarify. I don't want to make it sound like we're attacking them or we have a plan that we're, exactly. we're just going to take them down or we're against you. No, we are, we are literally behind their corner. And if they, if they stand up for this and need people by the thousands, whether it's making calls to Cox on, on their behalf or supporting them, or if they want to pass a legislation or whatever they want to do, that they need a call to action to the public to stand behind them in an, in a professional way in a, Hey, we'll show up to testify on whatever you need. Hey, we'll, we'll write whoever you're trying to um, get done, get good things done with in a professional way on your behalf to show support for you. We'll show up at whatever events you have um, holding signs saying go so-and-so for you. We are like literally on the same team. So I want to clarify that first and foremost. Um, but I do think it's still fair to, to educate the public and um, just with what's going on in their own state, in their own County and how we can kind of unite. And, and this is just, this is just information gathering, but at the end of the day, this is not an attack. This is a way to understand where they're coming from and um, help understand where each county is struggling with where they're getting on board or not. Is it is it due to mis- misinformation? Is it due to the fact that they don't know rules like Chris brought up with the commander in chief and how that works? Is it simply just a misunderstanding? Have they been out of town? Um, mm-hmm. Are they already planning on getting involved? How can we help? What questions can we answer? This is really a way to try to unite the party and not divide it and attack. It's really just trying to understand the um, the challenge or potential challenges so we can all unite in a solution. You know, and I, you know, and, and I want to just follow that up with, uh, and for me, you know, I may sound aggressive at times, but this isn't about me. This isn't about Spencer Cox. This isn't about the chairs. It's about our soldiers Yes. Who need our help? Look, let's face it. When it comes to war, all we can do is support them. We can't fight that battle for them. At least this one. We can get involved and fight the battle for them, because as individuals, they won't win this war. Right. Right. But if we do it all together. It gives us a greater chance of success and people need to understand that it is not about us. It's about our veterans. It's about our soldiers. Because when they go to war, they put it all on the line for us. And if we can't stop being selfish long enough to help them out and their families, we need to take a look at ourselves as Americans. Yeah, it's it's I think there's a lot of people who don't know just how much it's really going to impact our our, our National Guard. Um, you know, this impacts their families. Um, one, one gentleman that I'm sp- uh, speaking with, he his family he has a young family. Um, he hasn't done anything else. He's has 20 plus years in the national guard. He's been deployed three times. Um, he's, he's risked his life for, for us. And here we are. It's our opportunity to stand up, be bold, um, you know, and, and do the right thing for him and his family. Um, I, and I've, I've talked to at least, um, maybe 20 or so national guards, um, who some of them are vaccinated and you know what they say, they are begging us to stand up for the others. Um, some of them made the decision because they felt that, you know, they, th- to get vaccinated, they, they disagreed with the mandate, but they went ahead and did it because they were afraid. Um, they, they needed to take care of their families, but they shouldn't have to feel that way. Let, let's protect the rest of them. Let's, let's, let's help them. This is our time to do what we, what we can do to support them and, and to do what they would have done for us. Let's just say. I absolutely agree with you. Um, Shannon, anything else from you? you like to say, you know what, for once in my life, um, you kind of left me without words there when you brought up the kind of circled back the key points onto where it should be. Cause we spent a lot, you know, we did talk a bit on the podcast about, you know, other individuals where they might stand or not stand, but I think just for everybody, whether I don't even care if you're Democrat, I think anybody like you just said, should be able to understand the importance on bringing it back to the key issue, whether it's political or not. And, and that is our national guard and men and women in uniform. And if we all just kind of keep that at the, the main focus of everything, while we try to work through all this together and unite for these things, uh, you just hit the nail on the head, John. I think that's a really good place to, to kind of leave it off with you. And Democrats as well. You need to remember when yeah. these boys go to war, they don't ask. 
That's right. I'm fighting for Democrats or I'm fighting for Republicans or I'm fighting for conservatives. They're fighting for the red, white and blue. You always have to remember that if you live in this country, you have to remember that we may Mm -hmm. not always see the same issues the same way. But one thing we should all realize we are Americans and we all die for this country. We all bleed for this country. We all live and die in this country. So I want to thank you guys for being here. Um, I'm going to do thank everything you. I can. If you need my help, you got my, you have my phone number. Um, you guys should talk to my sound guy, Brian, and get on his podcast as well. He has a rather <laughs> large podcast. Let's spread this thing any and every way we can. Um, I appreciate you both being on. And uh, I want to say to my audience, I appreciate you guys every single week. I know I've been gone once again. I've got like 300 emails. And it's like, and no, I haven't read every single one of them. Either. But I appreciate you. And I'll do better. I'm trying to fight the fight. I've been sick. And um, that's all I can say for this week. Um, Chris, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I will. I have heard of you many times. I know. I remember when I first met you at the Luau. <laughs> and I had told Jamie Rinda, I says, I like that guy. Oh, really? I, I wasn't so sure you did because I was out there dancing the luau. And, <laughs> uh, and no, I, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't pretty. But no, I don't remember. <laughs> and Shannon, I appreciate you and everything that you've done. And I know you're a firecracker. Yeah. Yes, well, I appreciate you He's too, awesome. John. <laughs> I've heard so many great things about you. And uh, some people that are close to me, speak to you daily. And uh, hey, look, all we have to do is keep this battle, win this battle. And the thing is this, before we get out there, I think I got about a minute left. So what I want to say is to you guys, you know what? We live in Utah, one of the greatest conservative states in this country. I personally like to stay conservative. I personally like to enjoy the freedoms that we have in the state, the growth that we have. You know, yes, it's a heavy populated state with the LDS faith. As far as I'm concerned, the church does great things. I am not, but the church does great things. I don't want people that can be confused that Utah is all about religion. It is not. It's actually more about being conservatives, the -hmm. way of life. That's what we enjoy in this state. If you're coming from California, we welcome you. Just leave that other crap in California. Don't bring it. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Don't bring it here. So, and I think we all, and the majority of us in Utah, we mostly think this way. It's a fun, it's a great state. And uh, I've been here for 25 years. And I think I'll make it another 25 years if the good Lord blesses me. But I have been blessed. And once again, you know, I want to say thank you guys for being on the air. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We love you. My name is John Harvey, and I'm the host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. 